Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning. Why do we wear masks? Stupid question. <laughs> we wear masks for two reasons. First is, I don't want to catch COVID from you if you have COVID. And secondly, if I have COVID, I don't want to pass it on to you, right? That's why we wear masks. Why do we wash our hands? Say, Pastor, you're asking all these stupid questions this morning. Why do we wash our hands? We wash our hands. Same two reasons. I don't want to catch COVID. And secondly, if I have the COVID germ on my hand, I don't want to pass it on to you. Why do I save distance? Why do I save distance? Say, oh, am I here for this aggravation? We save distance, same two reasons. I don't want to catch COVID from you, and if I have COVID, I don't want to pass it on to you. So whether we realize it or not, over the last two years, we are habituated in all these practices to do two things. Not to pass it on and stay far, far away. Do you realize that? Over the last two years, we are conditioned Conditioned by the pandemic, don't pass on, don't pass on, and stay far away. Don't pass on, stay far away. Why is this important? This is important because today as we look at discipling the generation, God tells us to come close and pass it on. Come close and pass it on. Something totally different from all that we've been conditioned into our psyche over the last two years. Do you see this tension here? as God calls us to disciple the nations. Yet everything that we have learned is to stay far away and don't pass it on. How do we overcome this conundrum? And this morning is exactly what we're going to look at in discipling the generations. So before we carry on, I invite you to close your eyes, bow your heads. We believe God is here and we're going to acknowledge His presence and pray for His marvellous love to fall upon us. Come, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, You are Almighty Creator God. This morning, we rest in your incredible love for us. Lord, we, we, we confess, Lord, sometimes we say it, but we don't necessarily feel it. And we struggle with that. This morning, I, I pray for a special gift of faith by the gift of your Holy Spirit, that whether you're on site or you're online, in Bukit Panjang, in the east, in Woodlands, or you're online, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, your Holy Spirit will visit us right now and stir a fresh faith that we may experience, experience the marvellous and magnificent affection of our Father for us. Father, may your love so overwhelm us because we need you, Lord, that we may draw close to you and see how much you love us and see your heart once more. For we ask and pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone says, Amen. Good morning and welcome to Covenant's Pulpit. Uh, those of you are joining us online at Woodlands and BPJ as well as in the East. This morning I bring you a simple message entitled Disciple the Generations. Disciple the Generations. Before I do so, I'd like to give us an overview of what's been happening. Every year in January, our senior pastors lay upon our hearts what is the burden God is giving to us this season. And in this season, we believe it is this whole idea of preparing to meet King Jesus. We believe 
he's coming back very soon and we need to prepare our own hearts and we help others, prepare others along the way so that when he comes and we stand before him, we are not ashamed. We need to prepare ourselves to meet King Jesus. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been sharing you our faith exploits. Our faith exploits are the practical expression of the mission in preparing to meet King Jesus. Two Sundays ago, Pastor Matthew Lowe was here and he shared about the end game. The end game is not my family, myself, blessings for me. It's not just Singapore, but it's the world. That's God's heart for the world to disciple the nations. And a simple outworking of this is simply this. If you are able to, on Wednesday uh, lunchtime, 12 to 12.45, join us for the praying for nations. And there we, we can get a glimpse of what God is doing in different countries, in Bangladesh, in, in Pakistan, in, in Sri Lanka, in India, in the Philippines. And our hearts can be warm and see what God is doing. That's number one. And last Sunday, Pastor Sharon was here. She shared with us how we can disciple Singapore. And the idea is a simple way. is to bless. is to bless others. Chinese New Year is coming and we can ask, God, would you lay upon our hearts a particular name, a particular relative, someone we know who, who we have not seen for the longest time. And if this is the person, then maybe Chinese New Year, you make that special effort to be present with that person, to listen, to hear. Don't, don't respond, don't, don't react. Just, just be there to love the person by listening to the person, eating with the person. And that's how we can best one at a time and reach Singapore for Jesus. This morning, I have the privilege to bring to you Disciple the Generations. So from out there, from the end game, we move closer to Singapore. And now finally, really, what does it mean for you and I to practice, to act out our discipleship so that it moves on from generation to generation? But if you forget everything today, it has to do with the heart of generations and the how to reach the generations. What is God's heart for the generation and how are we to do it? Okay, so today's sermon has to do with the heart and the how? Very good. Let's begin with the heart. What's the heart of generation? At the heart of generation is passing on God's blessing. Simply as that, passing on God's blessing. Turn with me your Bibles to Psalm 78 and we'll read verse 5 to 7. Psalm 78 verse 5 to 7. Psalm 78 verse 5 to 7. And this is what it says. In verse 5, Psalm 78, He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. In this text, it tells us at least three things about what does it mean, the heart of God in this generation. Firstly, it is about passing on. Fathers, tell your children, and then they tell their children at least three generations over here. So the idea is passing on. This idea of passing on is not my idea, it's not somebody's idea. It is God's idea. As a matter of fact, friends, it's not just God's idea. Look at what it says. He commanded our fathers. In other words, friends, generation to generation, the passing on of this is not my idea. It's not just even God's idea. It is His idea. It's His command. We are to take that seriously Number one. Second one is it's not just passing on, it has to do with knowing God. Now, you'll pause a moment and say, hey, pastor, it, it looks like it's passing on the law of God. Where does it say passing on knowing God? Look at what it says in verse 7. Verse 7, same text. So that they may set their hope in God's word and not forget the words of God. That's not what the scripture says, isn't it? So that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. 
Now, I'm not trying to set up a dichotomy between the works of God and the Word of God. We need to know the, the Word of God. But the law of God reflects the lawgiver itself. And it is not just knowing about the data, about the information. It's about knowing a person. And therein lies the danger of Bible study. Say, what? Pastor, how can you say studying the Bible can be dangerous? Oh, my friends, studying the Bible cannot just be dangerous. It can be hazardous to your health. Say, wow, what kind of lousy church is this? They say, study the Bible, hazardous to your health. You know, studying the scriptures can be hazardous to your health. In what sense? You see, friends, because we can know the original language without knowing the ultimate author. We can know the grammar and the tense without knowing the authorial intent. We can know the genre, the literary structure, the historical context without knowing the heart of God. In other words, it's all data, it's all information, and the Bible study, after I come out of it, my head is so full and my heart is puffed up. That is dangerous. That is dangerous because it's not just about data. This is exactly what Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 39 to 40. So important. Turn to it. John chapter 5, New Testament, John chapter 5, verse 39 to 40. Look at what it says. John 5, 39 to 40. So Jesus is speaking to the Jews here. It says you diligently study the scriptures. Uh, good Bible students. Uh, we study the scriptures. Why? Because you think that by them, by these words, by these scriptures, you possess what? You possess life. Wow, I know all this information. I know all this data. I, I have life. It's something magical, mystical in, in this. Listen to what Jesus goes on to say. He says these are the scriptures that testify about, about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. These are the scriptures. They are not an end in itself. It points to a person. It points to God. The danger of Bible study which is hazardous to our life is when we stop here. Our Bible study is information only to fill us with facts and knowledge without experiencing God. The next time you have done a Bible study, and please study the scriptures, it mustn't stop there. You need to ask, how does this tell me about God? How have I obeyed this so that I encounter God in the journey? See, God in this text is not saying pass on the law, pass on the information, pass on the data. That is easy to do. He, he says pass on so that they may set their hope in a person and not forget his works. In other words, God has impacted our life. We have experienced God in our own journey. It is these stories of God that you and I need to pass on. Yes, data is important, yet information is important, but they are not an end in itself. With this and our experience, married with our journey, with knowing God, the reality of God in our lives, we pass on those stories which bring inspiration to the next generation. That's why it's about knowing God, my friends. Christianity cannot just be up here. It must be in our hands, our hearts, our whole soul, embody it. We live out the life of God by knowing Him, experiencing Him, and we pass on these stories. What stories do we have? Our encounters with God to pass on to the next generation. It's about passing on, it's about knowing God, and finally it's about blessing. What do I mean? You know, I started off this, this morning by saying, you know, the last two years have conditioned us to stay far away from people. Why? Because we don't want to pass on bad things. You know, I don't want to pass on germs to you. I hope you don't pass on germs to me. And, and, and we're good citizens. We're, we're doing the right thing. Socially, it's the right thing to do. But think along with me. What if... Your friend, after service today, invites you to, hey, this place, very good, come. And he brings you to this place and 
and, and your friend say, this is the best bar chow mee in Singapore. And some say Batam and JB, even though now we can't go there. You know? and, and you eat and say, whoa, this is really the best bar chow mee uh, you know, I, I've tasted in Singapore. What, what do you do next? How good Singaporeans like that? Lah. You put it on Instagram. If we have a word for it. It's Instagrammable, isn't it? We go to places where the plating, everything on Instagram. And then you pass it on. Why? Because it's a good or bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. We want to pass on good things. Last Sunday, my family um, celebrated with me and they brought me to this place that I've never been to in my life. Okay, so of, of the five of us, uh, Tina has been, the two boys have been, Joanne and myself have never been. And I normally don't go to these places, but I say, hey, it's nice, you must try. So they are joining me. So I went there and it's, it's this, this place, unusual name, it's called Beauty in a Pot. So you know, I say, oh, I've never been there in my life. Okay. But it's hot pot and stuff like that. And, and we, wow, the food is nice. The food is good and the service is great and a bit pricey, but nice. We enjoyed the ambience and the family. We had a super time there. And so this week when people are talking and what, where's the place to I said, oh, go to this place. Don't have a funny name, you know, and stuff like that. I recommended it. Why? Because good experience. Pass on the good stuff. It's like that with God, see. When we have encountered God, His goodness in our life, we want to tell someone about it. And the scriptures tell us that right at the beginning in Genesis, it tells us that everything that God did is good, is good, is good, is good, is good. Until verse 31, when God created human beings, He didn't say it was good. He said it's very good. Now, what would you do with what is very good? Now we move back to Genesis 1, verse 28. And God blessed them. And he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Fill the earth with what? Fill the earth with all that is very good. Very good. God says, I want the whole world to be blessed by this very good. My friends, that's the heart of God. Our God is a great God, a good God. He wants blessings to flow, people to experience goodness. So we put this together. What, what is the heart of generations? It's about passing on, it's about knowing God, it's about blessing. The simple way to understand it, the heart of generations is to pass on the blessing of knowing God. What's at the heart of generations? At the heart of generations is passing on the blessings of knowing God. That's the thing that God has called us to do. Now, if that is true, we ask ourselves, how are we doing as, as a nation? How are we doing as a nation? So I'm going to share with you three set of data. This is taken from Population Census completed 2020. Yeah? So we look at the trends. The first is a set of slides that shows the percentage of Christianity in Singapore. So this is uh, 20 years ago, from the year 2000 to 2010. Christianity grew from 14.6 to 18.3%. Uh, that's, that's a good 3.7 percentage point increase, a decadal growth rate of 3.7 points. Very good. I mean, which bank can give you 3.7% interest? Uh, can I? So very good, okay? Now, how, how do we do the next 10 years? That means from 2010 all the way to 2020. So the last 10 years. Look at the numbers. It grew from 18.3 to 18.9. So did we grow? Yes, we grew. But we grew 0.6%. So let me ask you a question. You look at a chart like this. And for those of you who are business people or maybe mathematicians, what kind of curve do you call this? What kind of curve do you call this? This is a plateauing curve. It's a plateauing curve. Anytime you hit a plateauing curve, alarm bells must ring because we are at a pivot point. Plateaus can go down and they often do. 
That's the first thing we need to understand. The second uh, is a set of infographics. Uh, it's taken from the Singapore Statistics website. Again, it shows data from 2010 to 2020. It shows all the religions and how they have grown or they have not grown uh, over the last uh, 10 years. 2010 to 2020. You know what's the fastest growing faith, religion on this page? I've highlighted for you. It is those with no religion, no faith. It grew by 3%, 3%. So that now in Singapore, one in five or 20% people will say, no faith, no religious affiliation. Okay, fastest growing. Now we're going to look at this bunch of folks who say, hey, uh, I have no faith. So one in five Singaporeans, they say that. We're going to look at the demographics. What's the age distribution down here? Okay, so this is the next slide. Also taken from uh, the statistics website, this infographics. You notice from 2010 to 2020, the percentage across all age groups firstly have increased. What's even more significant, and the final slide is this. If you combine those from 15 years old to 34 years old, you combine that group, it makes up more than 50%. Just about 50%. In other words, all these people, one in five, 20% of Singaporeans will say, no faith, half of them are the next generation and the numbers will grow. Half of them are the next generation. We need to understand how serious this information is. This, this data is important because I have no way to show it or demonstrate it, but I will not be surprised if many of those who are now claiming that they are they're no longer believers or anything, and they are young people, I believe many of them have come from Christian families as well. Christian families, your family, my family, our family, our churches, Covenant Evangelical Free Church. I can't prove it, but I've spoken to enough parents to realize they contribute to those numbers. Our children contribute to those numbers. So if it's about passing on the blessing of knowing God, maybe we're not doing such a good job. And that's something we really need to ask ourselves, God, help us. How can we do better in this? That's what discipling the generation is. We move from the heart now we move to the how. Friends, how can we better do it? How can we do a better job at this? And for that, we go to the next section, the how of generations. The how of generations is connecting through relating. By connecting through relating. For that, I, I share with you a verse. Psalm 145, verse 4. Turn with me your Bibles. Psalm 145, verse 4. Just one verse. It says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. So the picture here is an older generation speaking well to the younger generation, the next generation, of the blessings of God in their life. One generation shall commend their works to another. But the way it's written, the way the, the, the sentence is structured can mean either way. You know? One generation share with this generation and then perhaps this generation share with this generation as well. So it's not just a down one-way one flow. It's a mutuality. It's a coming together. It's a conversation. It's a dialogue. It's a relationship. It's a connecting a relationship. You now, one of the most funny things in this world, a paradox and irony of this world we're living in is this. Never before in human history are we so interconnected with one another. Never before. Pre-COVID is all the travelling, uh, beyond the travelling. It's social media. It's WeChat, WhatsApp, Discord, TikTok, whatever you have. You know, we are so interconnected. But yet at the same time, yet at the same time, even before the pandemic of COVID, social studies are telling us there's increasing number of people who feel isolated and lonely. There is an epidemic of loneliness. And you scratch your head, you know, and say, how can that be? We are so interconnected. 
you know, with all these things, and how come people are feeling lonely? That's the irony and paradox of social media. What is supposed to connect us, I want to present to you, doesn't really connect us. Doesn't really connect in the way that makes us feel humans. We may be connected electronically, but we are not connected emotionally. Let me say that again. We may be connected electronically, but we are not connected emotionally. See, friends, when, when we are down, when we are depressed, when we are anxious, when we are going through a crisis, it is not our Instagram followers or Facebook friends who will come and sit with us. It is our flesh and blood friends that we have spent time with, we have nurtured the relationship, that will come. And these are our genuine friends. We don't have that. We have a lot of these electronic ones. And in some sense, they don't really count. I want to address two groups of people. First are parents. Second are those who are Singles, you don't have children yet, but you're, you're singles, okay? Uh, married, but no kids. Let me address the parents first. This is a quotation by uh, Josh McDowell, and we can show the slide. And this was taken from his book, published in the year 2000. So 22 years ago, uh, 22 years ago, Josh McDowell has already been noticing this. He said, if I were to identify the core reason that our young people are succumbing to the lure of a godless culture and lashing out with rage, I would say they feel alone, disconnected, and unsure of who they really are. Many young people, even those from good Christian homes, pay attention, even from good Christian homes, they feel disconnected and alienated from their parents. And you say, how can? How can this be? Don't the parents, you know, bring them to church? Don't they read the Bible? Okay, now I'm going to connect this statement with another study. This is a study. Okay, this is a study by uh, Dr. Vern. Bingson. It's published in this landmark book called Families and Faith, 2013. 2013, Families and Faith. Very important study because it's, it's the only one that is 35 years longitudinal studies. They follow more than 350 three-generation families for over 35 years. This is the longest study. And over 3,500 grandparents, parents, children, grandchildren, and even great-grandchildren for over 35 years, no one has done this before. And they want to study one question. What makes for faith transmission? Why in some families the faith gets passed on, in some families it's truncated? And so I'm going to share with you, uh, this is what uh, some have written, so the slides will show you. As to why some children follow their parents, spiritually speaking, Professor Bingson's research confirms some common sense assumptions. For example, it helps if parents model religiosity. If you talk about church but you never go, children sense hypocrisy. Now, intermarriage doesn't help. If you're Jewish or Mormon or Catholic and you want your child to share your religion, it helps to marry someone of the same faith. The next slide is very important. Professor Bingson's major conclusion is that family bonds matter. This place of parental piety, like teaching the right beliefs and practices, and keeping strictly to the law, can be for naught. In other words, you can bring them to church, you can teach them the Bible, you can do all the Christian things. He says it can be for nothing, eh? it can come for nothing, if the children don't feel close to their parents. Without emotional bonding, these factors are not sufficient for transmission. In other words, you can do all the Christian things, but your kids don't feel connected to you emotionally. The transmission is truncated. It's a very scary fact. So you can be in a Christian family doing the Christian thing, but your kids are not connected emotionally to you. It's not going to happen. Now, the final statement is very scary uh, in, in this uh, report. 
Professor Bingson also found that one parent matters more than the other. It's the dad. He goes on to say, but what is really interesting, he writes, is that for religious transmission, having a close bond with one's father matters even more than a close relationship with one's mother. Now, before the mothers stand up and walk out of this place, <laughs> it is not saying that mothers are not important. It's saying that for faith transmission, the fathers play a greater role. Do you remember what we just read in, in Psalm 78 earlier? God commanded who to teach their children. Who? The fathers. See, there is, a, there is a way God has designed and He ordered His creation in a particular way. It's supposed to be done this way. And now social studies are telling us what God has been speaking to us all this time. Do you see that? I, I don't want to guilt trip fathers here. I tell you why. Because I understand exactly what this guy is writing. I, I, I wish to tell you I'm a perfect husband and a perfect father. And Tina, who was here this morning, my wife, she's rolling off the chair laughing, dying. Obviously, I'm not. Obviously, I'm not. I, I, but, you know, we are committed to be disciples of Jesus. So when we got married, we wanted to set up a Christian home. And we did our best, as, as we knew then. We, we brought our kids to Sunday school, brought them to church, CG. We did all the Christian thing, read the Bible to them, did scripture memory, did all this stuff at home. But I had, an, I had a problem. And I didn't, for the longest time, I, I didn't recognize it. I didn't know how to connect at a relational, emotional level to my children. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? You're standing here connecting to all of us right now. Uh. What, what, what do you mean? Like, uh, you know, friends, connecting on the stage uh, and connecting one-to-one -one are very different. Uh. I didn't know how to do that. I really didn't know. It is my background. I, I, I didn't experience that. Maybe my personality, I, I was more uh, uh, introvert. Maybe it's emotional blunting. You add all this together. I didn't want to be a, a bad father. It's just that I didn't know how to do it. I've never experienced it. But, but God had to work in my life. Bring me to a place. This is, this is a very recent thing. As recent as 10 to 12 years ago, God began that work in me. It brought me to this crisis where I realized I'm not connecting I'm not connecting. And woke me up to say, you better learn. You better grow and learn. And that was a painful journey. I'm grateful for that because without that, I, I would never be able to say things, my relationship at least with, 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 the, with the family is so much better. I'm far from what I'm supposed to be. But really much better by God's grace where I am today. And the more I discovered this inability to connect, I realized it's not just me. I realize this is true for many people. This is true for many fathers. They don't want to be bad fathers. They want to be good fathers, but somehow they don't know how to do it. And, and that is the challenge we face. So I, I put this before us because it has to do with connecting through relationships. And this year you forget everything. The how has to do with the heart, connecting. How do we connect in a way that people understand? Now, some, some of you here are not married. You're singles. Uh, and, and you're saying, hey, this doesn't apply to me. La. You know, it, it just passed on generation to generation. Well, may it, it, no, I, I want to share with you, it does. It does. You know why? You know, something so sad happened yesterday. Something so sad happened yesterday. You, you heard the story of the two 11-year-old two twins. You know, you read something like this, you cannot but just be gripped in your heart. And it's, it looks like it's done by someone closest to them. 
for this period, probably this father was looking after the children, but he must have come to a place where it, it just cannot take it anymore. And, and my point is, where is the support? Where is the community? I, I don't know what faith they are. It doesn't matter. See, isn't there anyone they can turn to for help? So for those of us who are, are, don't have children, we are single and all that, we need one another. We can come alongside, be a listening ear, just be present. And I think, friends, that will make a whole world of a difference. Because it's not about merit thing. It's not about a parenting thing. It's about a human thing. The human need to connect through relationships. The human need to connect through relationships. That's what Generations is all about. Connecting, not a high-bye, that kind of stuff, but deeply being present, listening, learning, just appreciating this as a human being made in the image of God, deeply loved by God, with all its potentials and everything. But, and, but that's what it means. And that's what God's calling us to do. That's what God's calling us to do. I want to share with you that this, this whole idea of loving, therefore, there are three things we need to pay attention to. Three things. And as we come to a close, I highlight this because it's very important for us. The first is, this is a quote by uh, John Ockberg. He says this, You cannot love in a hurry. You cannot love in a hurry. And it's true. I've shared this before. This idea that, you know, you're talking to someone and the person's talking to you, but your heart is racing at like five million miles per hour, you know. So whatever he's saying, uh, you're not listening to because... You may not be in a hurry outside, but your heart is not at rest. And you know, the, the wives understand this. Uh, talk to your husband, talk to your husband. At the end of it, uh, he say, huh? It's like, hey, you're not listening to me. Uh. Why? Because this one not ready to listen. Uh. We can't love in a hurry. We taught the, you know, pre-COVID days, we taught the, you know, we are running at breakneck speed. Uh. We ask ourselves, what's the hurry? Hurry to make what? Hurry to make more money? Whatever it is. But, do you realize that COVID, I think, was meant to actually jam break us, give us an opportunity to say, hey, to examine ourselves, what's really important? I want to share with you a sad piece of news. Uh. Sad piece of news. Uh. Because a study showed uh, in the year 2021, uh, Singapore is number two. Uh. Not number one. Uh. We're number two. Uh. You know number two in what? Number two uh, in being the second most overworked society in the world. In the midst of the pandemic, we beat Japan, who's number six. We are number two. In the midst of all that, we are still overworked, you know. Number one is Hong Kong, if you're wondering. Some things are not good to be top. Uh. How can this be in the midst of this slowdown? We are overworked. How can this be? And, and I tell you, until we come to the place to say, you know, something needs to be done. Something needs to be done. We need to ask ourselves, what's really, really, really important? What must I do to reorientate my priorities? We cannot love in a hurry. The second is we cannot love in general. We cannot really love in general. What do I mean by that? You know, uh, you've, you've been to concerts, you know, at the end of it, the singer comes up and the, 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 the raving fans, oh! And then what, 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 what do the superstars say? Oh, I love you! I love you! Really? <laughs> Okay, no, we understand. Uh, we understand. They mean, yeah, we love the, 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 the crowd. But these are faceless crowd. It's easy to love a faceless crowd. I also say, I love you. <laughs> Not to be able to love is, is, is particular. Love cannot be general. Love is particular. It is a person. It is a life. 
with all the NRIC number, postal code, all the potentials and all the problems. It's a person. It is Sarah Leong. It is Christine. It is Adeline. It is Daniel. It is a person. Someone real with flesh and blood. And this year, I want to encourage you. Yes, we need to think about missions. But see, sometimes it's easy to think about missions because it's an amorphous face out there, faceless crowd out there. But maybe God says, begin with those closest to you. Easy to talk about missions, huh? But what about your spouse? What about your parents? What about your siblings? What are the particular people? What about a boss that's, or a colleague that you're struggling to love? And God invites us to love in particular a person with a face and a name. Finally, we cannot love from afar. We cannot love from afar. The last two years, everything is stay far, far away. I want to keep safe, stay far, far away. We move around like that. We have a little uh, shield and, 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 and a force field to keep people away. And I'm grateful for Zoom. I'm grateful for all these electronic stuff. But you and I know it's very hard to build that relationship over a screen. It's very hard to build that. It is face-to-face. You know, in, in December, we did an experiment. One of my couples mentoring group, we said, ah, we, we have not been meeting so long face-to-face, let's do it. Lah. So the couples came together with over 14 children with all the safe management measures. Lah. We booked ourselves in a staycation and we just spent time together with all the safe management rules. We had a ball of a time. We had a ball of the time. The kids had a ball of We enjoyed ourselves because we miss talking to one another face-to-face, having a drink at night, talking, chit-chatting. And, and the kids, you know, on the last day when we left, all the kids cried. <laughs> I don't want to go home. I want to stay. They miss one another. They miss their friends. They want to stay. That's how we are wired. How God has wired us. Face-to-face, human connections. Let, let, me, let me say this. I really, really believe. You've got to trust your pastor's heart. You can worship God anywhere. Anywhere you can worship God. And on site right now, where you are, you can worship God. If God is present there, if God is present here, we can worship Him here. I'm not saying that the church, the building itself is super sanctified for whatever reason. No, if, as long as God is present, we can worship Him. But God has not just created us to worship Him. God has created us to worship Him together in community. And so the presence of on church, on site. It's not so much that, oh, we can say, oh, so many people come to church. That's not the point. The point about coming to church, worshipping here, for those of you here on site, whether it's BBJ East or, or Woodland Centre, you know what I'm talking about. It is when you stand up and there's another person who's lifting his hands or her hands, clapping and we can't sing, but we can worship. It's just different. It's just different. We need it. We need that encouragement. And so, okay, wait, wait, let me say this. Uh, some of you legit cannot come back. Understand? Understand, you, you, you have elderly at home, you have uh, people who are not vaccinated around you and, and you want to protect them. Understand, but for the rest of you who can, come back. Come back, because we need the encouragement. God created us to be up close and personal. That's how relationships are built. In the CG, meet in the five, as long as you can meet in the five, the smaller groups. That's how God has created us. Men and women, God's heart is for the blessing of knowing Him be passed on from generation to generation. And for the longest time, we've given lip service to relationships. Yeah, important, important, but we, we never slow down enough, pay attention enough to particular people, to be present enough, to be close enough, to be close enough to make that impact. And I want to encourage us, we need that. 
That's what God is calling us to do. Come close. Come close. Come close to Him. Come close to one another and pass on the good stuff. Today, as we come to a close, I want to share with you, this is, this is what the burden God has laid upon our heart. The generations. And in December, right here, God did something amazing. So here's a video of the generations camp. Would you just watch this video? Watch this video. It may encourage your heart. What God is doing. I think I'm very privileged to, be, uh, to have my family involved in this. So a shared experience that we all have gone through it together. We can talk about, oh, the amazing grace and how fun it was and all these things. Or we talked about the videos we do. So, so while we are not doing it together as a family, but being involved in Generations Camps, and this is truly intergenerational. Uh, yes, me as a facilitator, my wife as a parent doing her own journey, my children having their own groups. And, and all having a shared experience that we will be able to talk about what we went through the last few days. So that's the amazing part of it. I realised that this camp is really about me changing, about me coming back to God, and about me showing what unconditional love is to my kid. So I think as parents join us for this camp, initially the expectations was that they would be with their kids. But I think what happened was that, you know, their groupings was very different um, as compared to what they expected. Um, but yeah, the parent actually shared that, you know, they saw how um, beautiful it was for them to be with other kids and for them to connect with other kids and that actually helped them as well in understanding their child in an indirect manner. God's unconditional love can bring us true validation, the validation we are all searching for from people nearest and dearest to us. The freedom that we are all searching for in our homes. God's unconditional love is able to restore that to us and able to restore our families and reconcile our families again. The parent volunteer told me about my heart should cherish my time with my father. And then the sermon at night gave me the opportunity to uh, talk to my father and then uh, release my goddess of him so that I can mend my relationship with him. So, I'm very thankful that God gave me a chance to mend my relationship with my father. I think this camp was really cool. It was eye-opening for me because I got to interact with the youth. And I'm just amazed that the youth have so much, they're so talented, they're so dedicated, right? I think I had a glimpse as to how they function, how they interact, and the expectations and the things that they have to live with. So my own takeaway, I've got two kids. Yeah, one's a tween and another one's a teenager. And I think going back, I, I think I want to deliberately just pause, listen, and I hear what they have to say rather than interject so fast. Let's thank God for what He's doing among the generations. No, no, friends, as we come to a close today, I, I know some, many parents here are doing well. You look at how things are in your family and your kids and they are doing well. But yet at the same time, I tell you, I, I, I know many parents who struggle with this. You hear a message like this and your heart is heavy. You know, your heart is actually in pain because you know, I've done my best, but how come still like that? And I, I want to encourage you. I believe 
when God says disciple the generation, giving that promise to us, God is saying, I will be with you. Don't give up. Keep at it. Don't give up. But it begins not in our old way of trying to do things and stuff like that. It begins with us wanting to love them. And so today, I want to give us an opportunity to respond. And so right now, whether you're online or you're on site here, I invite you to close your eyes, bow your heads, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. This prayer is a silent prayer. It's a prayer without words. It's a prayer without words. But if this is the desire of your heart, you say, God, this year, I really want to connect. For parents, I want to connect afresh. I want to know how to love in a way my children understand. If that's the desire of your heart, right now, with no one looking around, don't have to pray a prayer, would you put your right hand on your heart? Would you put your right hand on your heart? Would you put your right hand on your heart? Your right hand on your heart. Your right hand on your heart. Or you may be a child and you want to connect with your parents. You can put your right hand on your heart. And for the rest, for the rest of us who may not be married without children, say, Lord, this year I want to learn how to love afresh. I want to learn how to love afresh. Whether you're here at Woodlands, in Bukit Panjang, in the East, or online, with no one looking around, would you also put your hand on your heart? Say, God, help me to love. In particular, help me to love a particular person, the Holy Spirit, giving that face, giving that name to you right now. Father, we come before you and we, we know this is your heart. This is your heart that by this all men will know we are your disciples if we love one another. So I pray this year for all the parents, for all those who are not married, we want to connect. We want to love. Father, would you connect with us that we may connect with others. Thank you so much in Jesus' name. Answer those prayers, multiply it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to invite us to stand as we sing this song. It's entitled Waymaker. We believe Jesus. Jesus will make a way for us to connect at home with our families, with our children, with our loved ones. He will make a way for us. You are here Moving in our midst I worship you I worship you
were glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word, and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811, or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.